Hello, and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that is part movie club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. Excuse me while I swallow my beer. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. Making a show again with my friend Alex Good. Searching for good movies and shows. Some people claim that he's a bad person, but I don't. He's just got lots of flaws. Okay. Anyway, that was my parody of Margaritaville by Jimmy Buffett. So let me, there's a couple things in there. Um, Yeah. You took some artistic liberties because half of that stuff was just not true. Okay. Like what? Look. I, I have two things that come to my mind, but let's just, can you just read the lyrics, please? Okay. Um, hold on. I, I didn't write them down, so I have to remember them off the top of my head. All right. So I'll just say what I, I know for a fact. You said some people claim that he's a bad person, but I don't. And that's just wrong because you do. <laughs> You're right. You're All right. All the You're time. Right. <laughs> All the time, Riley. Um, oh, and I said making, so making a show again with my friend Alex Good. Searching right. for good movies and Which, fun. Which, right there, searching for good movies, that's also very wrong. Sometimes you're like, let's just look at the worst movies we can because it would be funnier. And I'm saying, let's not because it'll be more painful. So that's lie. That was the first lie. And I caught you on the but, second lie. But, but you are to, you are searching for good movies. I'm not. You are searching for good movies. So it's a half truth. Okay, yeah. So one and a half lies. In four lines of music. Which some might say, horrible truth to lie ratio. (laughs) If in four sentences you give one and a half lies, horrible ratio. That's like a political level of truth to lies. Okay, so... Actually, that's... That's probably better than a political ratio of truth to lies. <laughs> um, where does this rank? It, don't give them a number association, but just purely like in a stack. Where does this rank with Bina Colada? Oh, way better than Bina Colada. Okay, interesting. Good to way better. Bina Colada was bad. This, as far as musical qualities go, was better. Lyrics right. need work. So that's that's a songwriting thing, though. Yeah. That's, that's a lyricism thing. But I think the 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 music is sound. It was a, it was a step in the right direction. Yes, we're going in the right direction. Now, okay, what I don't cool, want cool, you cool. to do is think that I'm giving you a leash, and you can go back to the bad <laughs> stuff. Because if that happens, I'm not letting you finish. It's not happening. But that's okay. Alex never lets anyone finish. So facts, facts. Anyway, did you have anything that? Yeah, dude. Do you know? Okay, so. How I pass the time when I'm not allowed to be on my phone, which pretty much is meetings, because you, it's just a sign of disrespect to be on your phone. Yeah. I just imagined myself winning the lottery. I did that today and passed two hours. <laughs> just put yourself on an imaginary rich man's adventure. A rich man's adventure, bro. I won, because right now I think the North Carolina lottery is at like $450 million. So I'm like, all right, let's be realistic. I'm only winning quarter bill 220 yeah yeah so it's it's still you know joe rogan money yeah it's still f you money yeah and then for two hours i thought about <laughs> it 
And now, it puts me in a great mood. Now, on a scale from Wolf of Wall Street to DuckTales, where do you land in terms of like what you would do with your money? So it was tricky because I'm I'm trying to I can't be Floyd Mayweather Jr. For those of you from that's Floyd Money Mayweather. The dude like poses for pictures with his 10 Bugattis outside of his private jet. I'm not that guy. I can't be that guy. I can't be Drake who, you know, just gives, I mean, he gives away money, but he also like will walk around with half a million dollars of jewelry on him or a $4 million watch. And I can't do that. So I have firm boundaries. I'm not allowed to buy a car over a hundred thousand dollars. Cause I think if you buy a car over a hundred thousand dollars, you are instantly not relatable. But yeah. plenty of families out there own, you know, a $60,000 SUV and 75, maybe new if it's new. And then they just make payments on it over, you know, 15 years. So it's going to be a while. Okay. I have a question crazy. real quick while we're yeah, still on the concept of cars. Mm-hmm. How much money would you have to win in the lottery? You know, like net for you yeah. to go full Jay Leno. Jay Leno has multiple warehouses. Yeah. You can measure GTA. Yeah. He's, you can measure his garage space in acres. And in order for that to happen, I'd have to hit a billion dollars. And when I say that, it's because once you hit the B, you're not held to the principles of a regular man. So, or the ethics of law. Right. You don't have to. Like, once you hit the crazy thing is once you hit a billion dollars, you don't play by the rules anymore. At a core billion, you like, you still have a lot of money, but like, People win the lottery all the time and then lose it. That happens all the time. They buy Lamborghinis, they get like four houses, and then they get a divorce, and all of a sudden they're on the streets. Okay, let me pose this to you real quick. Let me money. let me pose this to you real quick. I looked it up, and I'm only looking at the first res- uh, first result. So this might be wrong, but according to t- CelebrityNetWorth.com, Jay Leno, his net worth is four hundred and fifty million. So, you, but, so if you win two fifty. You know, maybe you could be like, maybe you don't get acres. You just get like a little. I'm getting a dozen cars. Yeah, of course. Um, And uh, here's, I thought about this. So in my main house, I'm getting a six car garage and I'm putting five cars and two motorcycles in there. Okay. And not all those are my cars. One of those is a guest car. So if people come and visit me. I'm like, don't need a, don't rent a car. This car is just for guests. And then I, my wife also has a car. And then I have three cars and the two. What motorcycles. is the guest car? What is the guest car? Um, it's just, just give me a brand. Just give me a brand. Oh, a uh, Range Rover. Okay. Okay. Which is a great car. All my cars are used, by the way, because everyone knows once you drive them with a lot, they, the depreciation is ridiculous. So I'm giving a Range Rover. Most people haven't driven them, but it's also an SUV. So I'm not worried about people with big families or, you know, they have to haul bags in the back. They get a Range Rover. My cars are a Dodge GMC. Um, no, hold on. Time out. Time out. Yeah. I, I, I do want to go back into this, but you said something, you said a phrase that it, that upsets me to no end whenever somebody says it. Sure. And, and it's the phrase, it loses value right when you take it off the lot. Right. Yeah. Duh. So, like, I understand that cars are kind of like a malleable product in the sense that, like, chances are you're not going to keep any car that you get. Right. But if you're, but if you're collecting cars, it like, shouldn't matter. Also, when you have a quarter billion dollars, you shouldn't. It shouldn't matter. 
Yeah. For also, me, just in general, there are other things that depreciate. The thing that gets me is cars are like you. They're almost utilities. So, like, if it was an investment that lost value right when you took it off the lot, yeah, I would be upset about it. But no, this is something I'm taking off the lot to use. It's like saying bread loses value once but you here's take the it thing. Out, of the, out of the bag. I'm gonna, yeah, here's a counterpoint. Eat it. Take hey, counterpoint. Two things. A person's car is usually the second or third most expensive thing they'll ever pay for. It's yeah, house, fair. college, and a car. So it's okay to buy depreciating assets if you're losing, you know, you buy, what, a $4 thing of bread. As soon as you walk out of the house, you bring it back. They're going to be like, no, you can keep it. We'll give you money back. You lost, essentially, the store lost $4. $4. If you drive a brand new car off the lot and try to bring it back, you just lost 15%. Of thousands of dollars. And the second thing is the utility. If that is true, there is a limit to how much you should pay on a vehicle that just gets you to point A, point B. Everything past yeah. that is extra. You know? Yeah, I it's agree. like having a watch. You're like, I get, what you need is a clock, dude, on your hand. What you don't need is for it to work, you know, two miles underwater, be glow in the dark. Have batteries you don't need to replace. Have six that different check time your pulse. zones. That check your pulse. Tell you when to get up and get active. Also get texts. Have GPS capability. That's all extra. So as far as utility is concerned, you can say you never need to spend more than $10,000 on a car. Yeah. As we all learned from the author of that book we read a few weeks ago, minimalistic watches. Right. Minimalistic is, is what you need. So anyways, I spent a lot of time on cars. Then I thought about how do I give people money, right? Because the tricky part is when you give people money, they I don't want them to feel like they owe me. You know what I mean? If I give you a million dollars, which basically means I'm paying off your college loans, I'm paying off your brother's college loans, I'm paying off the mortgage on your parents' house, and I'm letting you live wherever you want, and I'm letting Andrew live whatever you want, and I'm letting you drive whatever car you want, right? I If I do that to you, I don't want you to feel that if I, hey, I'm hopping on Xbox, hey, Guys, I got to go. My friend's hopping on Xbox. He gave me a million dollars. I have to get on. You know, I kind of owe this guy. Hey, Listen. Craig, can you record the podcast on Saturday? Hey, dude, this guy, I'm going to have to cancel D&D or I'm going to have to cancel this because my friend gave me a million dollars and I can't flake on him anymore. You know what I mean? Listen, all I'm saying, I, I totally understand that. But if you win the lottery, let me just tell you the bare minimum that I'm asking for is if you just start taking over the hosting fees, like that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. I'm. By the way, you have a check coming your way in one or two months. It's not, the money's not there right now, but yeah. Um, but I'm saying like, I just don't. So then I thought about all the people in my life that I want to do nice stuff for, but I'm like, how do I make it so they don't feel like they owe me? And how do we do this without your mom finding out? Yeah. And also, because another you know scary, another thing I thought about, you know, because I had two hours is if I, for instance, I bought you a brand new. um, Okay. For instance, I pay off your parents' house, right? Then now that they have the house paid off, they know, oh, that's something we don't need to worry about anymore. So because I paid off their house, are they going to move somewhere else? Like what if they sell their house now because they get more money out of it and move to somewhere nicer? I'm like, why did I just waste money? Because now you're just going to move somewhere else. Am I going to pay off that mortgage too? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because if I go and buy you a brand new Toyota Corolla, you might just decide, hey, the $30,000 I can get, $25,000 I can get from selling this would probably be more valuable than the car. So should I just sell the car and you know pay off college? That might help me out more than the actual car. So then I'm thinking, 
great, dude. Cause I'm not giving them gifts. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of making their life more complicated. Well, I mean, like my parents would, my parents and grandparents would do this all the time. Like whenever they would watch like the price is right and they would get, you know, a car prize, you know, that would be the first thing that they'd say is like, oh, they probably need to sell it instead of have the car. Right. And I'm thinking if I'm your friend and I'm giving you a gift, I'll just give you what you want, you know? So you and don't on have top to of all th- that, you need to hire an accountant so you can get all those tax loopholes. And yeah. So and, then t- and then I thought on top of that, right, all these cars I want. Some of them can't be write-offs. Do you know the number one car owned by millionaires is a Ford F-150? Because it weighs so much, it qualifies for like a, I think uh, if it weighs over two tons, you can qualify it as like a loading write-off because it can tow stuff. So like a transportation vehicle. So all these people are writing off a quarter of a million dollars for buying a $50,000, vehicle because they can write it off as a, a loading vehicle. But guess what's not going to qualify as a loading vehicle? My Tesla. <laughs> my Mercedes-Benz. <laughs> my Range Rover. So then I'm and thinking... You know what? You know what? Maybe that's for the best. Right. So I just thought about this for two hours, bro. And I'm telling you at home, if you need things to just waste your life away, but to give you fun times in your head, come to me, man. I'm your man. What he's telling you is just do low-grade acid and go to your work meetings. Mm-hmm. That's my new name on the podcast, Low Grade Acid. <laughs> well, Low Grade Acid, do you want to start talking about the movie? Because we've let's, been at this for almost 15 minutes. <laughs> 15 minutes, bro. Let's freaking send it, dude. Okay. This week, we watched The Skulls, a 2000 movie starring uh, Paul Walker and some dude from Dawson's Creek. And uh, Craig T. Nelson, who is the voice of Mr. Incredible. Yeah, I looked that up, too. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this guy. So we are going to do a non-spoiler section first before we do a full spoiler section. But if you don't want to listen to the movie segment at all, you are more than welcome to skip ahead to the improv segment, which uh, we're going to give you the time code for that right here. Time code 6315. The Skulls. Now, if you looked at this movie poster, you would think this movie is like maybe like a National Treasure type movie or a mummy or a Da Vinci Code or like some sort of like undercover cop movie or something like that. No, it's about a secret fraternity. Dude. So the reason we're watching this movie is because Paul Walker did this. He filmed it right before he filmed The Fast and the Furious. So you can't really say this movie came. I mean, it did come out before, but he probably filmed him at the same time. Which means he, what I'm saying is he didn't have the time to learn the lessons from this movie and to not carry it into The Fast and the Furious. <laughs> yeah. They came yeah. out probably nine months apart which i think just goes to show how different two movies can be despite having some similar elements you know i think you know we talk about this slight spoiler for the fast and furious discussion we have you know i liked paul walker in fast and furious i thought he was the glue of fast and furious right he was not the glue of this movie (laughs) yeah and i was thinking i'm like he filmed these Back to back. They were in post-production, I'm sure, at the same time. The amount of growth this guy went through, dude. (laughs) And I've had like a really sick therapist appointment or like some sort of traumatic event that's like like whipped him into like good acting. Dude, I thought about this. I'm like, thank God they filmed these so close. Because if the people in the Fast and Furious saw this movie, they'd be like, we gotta find somebody else. 
we got to find someone else. <laughs> okay, so a more specific rundown of the plot, if you are unfamiliar with this movie, which, don't blame you. Which, uh, you are. Don't lie yeah. to us. You are. You are unfamiliar with the plot. So, uh, this dude from Dawson's Creek, his character name is Luke McNamara. He is at, you know, a four-year university. He wants to go to law school, but he can't afford it, so he looks into this, like, underground society called the Skulls, where if he basically pledges his entire life, you know... They make a lot. Of, they take a lot of time to say it's not a fraternity. It's different than a fraternity. It's a lifetime fraternity. Yeah, it's that's a the society. difference. It's a, it's li- a secret it, society. It's a lifetime fraternity. So he pledges himself to that in exchange for his basically his life being set from then on out. And like with most secret societies, there are a few you know addendums and catches that he has to like jimmy his way through. Right. He comes from a pretty poor background. He's in an Ivy League school, but he's in hundreds. He's in a hundred thousand dollars of debt, and he wants to go into law school because he wants to go to Harvard, and he can, but he, he knows he won't be able to afford it. So he's trying to. He's like, at least if I get into this secret society that no one can acknowledge they're in, maybe I can afford it. And then the whole time he's got a friend named Will and a crush named Chloe. So this trio is just going through college life as this guy negotiates a secret society. Now, I have a question for you, and I would like to know, I'm going to say two words, and I want your opinion on it, right? Yep. Rowing intro. Okay, so here's the thing. The rowing intro didn't bother me because I know there's a couple sports that only Ivy Leaguers do. You know, polo rowing i know golf is starting to go down into the public universities but like state universities golf same thing with lacrosse but like there's some like high tier daddy paid my way sports and that's the rowing intro bro yeah i'm gonna give you something and you're gonna tell me how you received it okay this guy works in the cafeteria of the school to help pay for tuition yes and there's an interaction with him and a guy and a girl. Who we never see again. Never see again. Hey, dude, get your triple soy latte and be nice to the lady. Yeah, I didn't know that we were. I, that line made me realize how old pretentious coffee jokes were. Like that line made every pretentious coffee joke from there on out, like go down in quality. Like, oh, if we've been saying the exact same thing since the year 2000, what what are we, why are we even trying? Dude, it was so like knight in shining armor. Hey dude, do the right thing. Treat the, it's so like tip of the hat, ma'am, madame, freaking simp boy garbage that just also pissed me off dude in regards to that breakfast scene the the jerk guy comes up and he like slams his tray on the counter and he's like hey i need some more oatmeal and maybe get it in the bowl this time and like they talk that scene and so they talk about oatmeal for about 30 seconds in that scene and then the guy leaves the girl comes up and she's and and Luke is like, do you want the usual? And she's like, you bet I do. And, and he hands her oatmeal. Why is everyone's usual here oatmeal? Dude, it, that scene. Okay, so here's the thing. In movies, 
I go through, I usually can decide whether or not I hate it in the first 10 minutes, but I always go, I have to watch this movie for the podcast. Hopefully it'll get better. We're only in the first 10 minutes. I'm telling you right now, the movie is nine times out of 10, what it is in the first 10 minutes. (laughs) A couple movies, essentially movies that revolve around plot twists around the third act will change into a completely different movie, right? And those movies are exciting. Sometimes they're done badly, but at the end of the day, they're exciting. This movie, what you see in the first 10 minutes is the movie. Yeah, I usually hold out at least through the first act before I start to make like official judgment calls. But the I would even go so far as to say that the fir- the first act establishes a different movie than you're about to watch. In the sense that like the first act is like, all right, Here's the basis for the secret society. Here's you getting into the secret society. And then acts two and three. Spoiler a little. Kind of not about the secret society as much as in the way that you think it is. Yeah, but I'm saying here's here's what is consistent in the first 10 minutes. If it's bad in the first 10 minutes, it's bad for the movie. If it's good in the first 10 minutes, it's good for the movie. If it's mediocre in the first 10 minutes, you're going to watch a mediocre movie for two hours. This movie was hard to watch in the first 10 minutes. Guess what? This movie's hard to watch. Because, listen, I thought the, like, the rowing scene, like, I was interested in it purely because I had never seen a rowing scene in a movie like that before. But once the oar breaks and the dude, like, jumps into the water, I'm like, okay, the most exciting thing has happened. I am done. (laughs) Dude, yes. Also, this movie suffers from the chosen one freaking thing where this guy is just the best at everything, has almost no flaws. That was annoying. Also, if you can get... Let me say say on that note specifically, you see it really early on because during the trial of them getting into the skull, they have to like um, basically break into a building. And so Paul Walker tries to get in. He can't. So Luke does it he gets over there and he starts picking the door and paul walker's like where'd you learn to do that and and luke goes eh, just something i picked up from my misspent youth he never does lock picking again he never Dude. does anything that implies a quote-unquote misspent youth for the rest of the movie they just needed that skill in that moment also in the first five minutes during this rowing scene everyone's like have you heard of mcnamara Without him, we would not have won the seven championships. The three. He's been here for four years. He's won a billion championships. We can't lose with him. I'm like, okay. Get off this guy's junk. I can't swear. But, <laughs> dude, and another thing. The coloring is so 2000s, it makes me nauseous. The music yeah. is so angsty. Freaking 2001 high schooler. You don't understand, but, okay. mom. It's not no, a no, phase. No. It's, Let me just say. Oh. Let me tell you. There is one band that was in the soundtrack for this movie that will make you understand the entire the tone of the entire movie soundtrack dialogue character choices cinematography everything else and it is based on the fact that there is a creed song in this movie (laughs) if you like movies that that have the opportunity to have a creed song in it then i guess you'll like this movie (laughs) can you take me higher (laughs) yeah Dude, um, I wanted to throw up. I'm like, no, please, no, stop. stop uh, I want to, I want to hop into the spoil into the spoiler section pretty soon. So I just want to say, the biggest, 
my my biggest non-spoiler takeaway is like this movie just was not as cool as it could have been secret society movies have the potential to be like the coolest thing on the planet you know i find um you know things that are pulling the strings behind the scenes i find those pretty interesting so the fact that this movie basically teed it up got up to the got up to the t-ball had like you know had a wiffle bat and missed yeah i'm gonna cover a couple things pre-spoilers that is important for the audience to know one there is a token black best friend yes okay and by the that's a spoiler we're gonna cover that later there's not a lot of black people in this movie okay spoiler alert not a lot of black people okay another thing is this whole movie is overacting it's all tropes so if you hate no come back here craig craig and then someone slams the door in their face and she's like craig i didn't mean it man come on he goes no we're over if you don't get it now, you're never going to... That whole thing, it's this entire movie. Don't say don't say something you don't mean. Well, I'm going to say something I do mean. Yeah, which, by the way, doesn't mean. If you're not a fan of, hey, I'm in love with this girl, and for one scene, we have to make her relatable, so we're going to put her in glasses and pigtails to shoot, prove that she can be relatable and I genuinely well. thought it was a different character. Genuinely thought it was <laughs> yeah. a different character. If you like putting glasses on someone and pretending they're ugly... Boy, oh boy, are you going to love this movie. If you like, my dad gets me whatever I want because he's rich and I haven't had to work for anything. And you're not like me, but we're going to revolve the whole movie around our interactions because you grew up on the bad side of town. And my dad gave me whatever he wants. That's this entire movie. Yeah, um, super fun. Uh, we clearly had a good time. We're going to dive into spoilers now. Um so if you don't want, if for some reason we convinced you to watch this movie, uh, you can skip ahead to the, you can skip ahead to the next segment right here at this time code. Time code 6315. And about halfway through, I realized, <laughs> I became very convinced that this was a gay allegory. Because. Oh, here- are you sure? With the- okay. No, was it before out, or after out. they said you guys are soulmates? Uh, it was at about that point. So picture <laughs> this. Picture this. We have a bunch of rich white guys who call each other soulmates, who uh, basically bond themselves to each other, change in the same room as each other, and spend uh, more time than you would think in a very intimate cage together. And I'm like, hey, guys. It's okay if you're not straight. Like, if this is just, like, if you guys want to be, like, you can do that. That's okay. You don't have to make a whole, a whole governmental secret society to cover it up. Dude, they have soulmates. Dude, there's a couple things I'm like, are you, what? So this is a secret society, right? They run the government. At the same time, we're also going to brand them in a very obvious place. (laughs) If they have to take, (laughs) no, they if they ever have to travel with somebody else and they have to go through an airport, they're going to see the branding. Yeah. I'm like, how secret is this place? If you're making them get a brand on their wrist and you're just going to cover it up with a watch. Like what? And everyone's done this. And like, Hey, how bad is your secret base? If one college student could steal one other college student's key and almost blow the whole thing. Also, how bad is your secret society if everyone knows where it is? 
In the beginning of the movie, they're like, oh, that's where the skulls are. I'm like, okay, that's not very secret. This is, dude, Hogwarts is a better kept secret than this. Yeah. What is this? <laughs> listen, listen, because the whole crux of Will dying is the fact that he was doing a he was doing an article he was researching the skulls and he got into the skull base and he was and he was you know doing a voice memo where he was describing the entirety of the base. okay so a little background to all you people listening to this who haven't watched the movie will his best friend obviously is a journalist right so he steals um this boy's which, hold on which let, let me be clear i'm pretty sure was not made clear to us before this scene right which yeah totally wasn't so he was a journalist, which we know, but what you don't know is he's doing an expose on the skulls and his best friend just became a skull and he's pretty upset about it because, you know, now he won't be able to talk about half of his life. So Will takes Caleb's, Caleb is the main character's soulmate, takes his key by breaking Paul into Walker. his car. Yeah. Takes Paul Walker, the soulmate to Joshua Jackson, AKA Luke McNamara. If these names make you confused. Well, sorry. And he takes, he breaks into his Porsche because they were all given cars. You know, another part of the secret society where everyone shows up with $50,000 cars. Um, takes his rule book, takes his keys. The rule book basically breaks down how the entire society works and he hides it. And then he takes the key to the secret place that isn't so secret because this guy has never been there before and he knows exactly where it is. And he starts taking pictures and that's where Caleb goes to look for his key that was stolen. And then he kills him. Kind of. Yeah. In the fakest, fakest fight you've ever seen. Yeah. But the point I was originally making is like, there's no way that this dude was the first guy to get this far. Right. Oh, that's impossible. First of all, the key is huge. Not only is the key huge, um, some people just wear it around their neck. Also, apparently. everybody knows where it is. Everybody what, knows where you're telling it is. me Everybody nobody's ever picked a lock before. And listen, you're giving them to college people. They're you're giving them to 22 year olds. There's no way this is the first time somebody misplaced their key or like their their roommate took it. This come on. Um, also, this girl, um, Chloe, which is Luke's crush, right? McNamara's yeah. crush. She knows she was dating a skull. So it's an open secret that these guys exist and everyone knows who they are. Yeah. It was, it's such a bad secret. It's ridiculous. Now, a couple other things that are annoying me around this movie. Someone said the words, I thought women loved fresh flowers because in order to make up to Chloe, Luke McNamara goes and steals flowers from the Dean's office. And he says the words, I thought women loved flake fresh flowers. And I thought, kill yourself. Second thing <laughs> that happens in this movie Thing that happens in this movie is touching people's shoulders to get them attention, get their attention. That annoys me so much because it never happens in real life. Ever, ever, ever. No one ever touches me, grabs my shoulder, turns me around and says, Alex, that never happens. Another thing that pisses me off is they say the words, your dad must be hard to please, huh? <laughs> what? What? Then, of course, Will gets murked, which is shown in a flashback, which is just dumb. Um, I, okay, so let's talk about Will's death. Um, yes. Will's death. This is the exact phrase that I wrote in my notes. Will's death was not emotionally impactful for me because he spent most of his time on screen being a nuisance to Luke. Yeah. 
he was the least understanding friend possible. Yeah. So basically, Luke goes to Will and he's like, hey, I have this opportunity for me to pay my way through school. And it might be a little shady, but all things, but I'm not going to get in trouble. Like, from what I understand, people aren't going to get hurt. Like, it, like it's, it'll be good. And Will just, like, freaks out on him. Like, dude, what? What are you? What? You couldn't do that? Like, you're basically going to have a part of your life that you aren't going to be able to share. Like, yeah. Have you known anyone that's had a job before? Or a family? Or just any sort of private life? Will? Dude, it was so annoying. And that was at the point where I'm like, oh, this guy is just here to be the token black friend. That's when I realized it. Yeah. And Will says this phrase that I want to look at the exact wording, but I'm pretty sure it's if it's bad and illegal, chances are it's no good or something to that effect. Let me look at the exact quote. Oh, if it's elite and illegal, chances yeah. are it's bad. Yeah. If it's elite and illegal, chances are if sorry, here's the exact phrasing. If it's secret and elite, it can't be good. He says the word illegal at some point. But it's I guess quoted not. later, um, like at almost at the very end of the movie. Oh, another super annoying thing, right? So one of these elite people of the society is a senator. This guy we see four or five different times throughout the movie. So guess who's not doing his job in Washington? <laughs> <laughs> I thought about that when they did the ceremony where they're in- introducing all these people, right? And one guy is vying to be a Supreme Court justice and the other person is a senator. I'm like... Do these, does this senator have to tell his secretary, well, hey, I have to go back to Harvard once or twice a year? Can't tell you why. Does this guy- I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, he was a Virginia senator, so and like Virginia is two hours away from this- D.C. So Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, we'll allow that. That was just so annoying. But this takes place in Hart, uh, at an Ivy League. Yeah, it could, it's New England area. But that was so yeah. annoying. I'm like, this guy is a senator. Is he busy? Like, what? He's just going to be in the area for three or four days? In this movie, he's, like, there for, like, seven. Like, you don't think anyone's going to catch on, bro? You're kind of important. All right, let's talk about the cage of truth, bro. (laughs) You mean my favorite part of the movie? (laughs) Dude. Nothing made me more upset than this movie. Than this no, that's not true. There's a lot of things that piss me off about this movie. That's one of them, though. So when they My, were going the in... Why, yeah. Okay, you want to explain what the Cage of Truth is. Yeah, so basically what they're doing is before they can get confirmed to be, like, official big boy skulls, uh, the two two soulmates have to enter basically a, a Catholic confessional that is this, like, prison cell that they lower into um, a chamber in the floor, and they just like get a chance to ask each other questions and other skulls get to ask them questions and they have to tell the truth. And during this scene, Luke is trying to get the truth from Caleb because Luke thinks that Caleb killed Will. So Luke is like, what's the worst thing you've ever done in your life? And Caleb's like, I had an affair with my, with uh, my mom's friend. And, and so Luke just starts freaking out like, no, what's the worst thing you've ever done? What's the worst thing you've ever done? And I'm like, bro, just ask him if he killed him. Yeah, bro. Um, Another thing, when they're getting lowered down, I thought it was going to be like a tube. I got so yeah. claustrophobic mm-hmm. there for a second. And I realized, oh, they're just getting put in another room and everyone can listen to them. This is so unnecessary. It's ridiculous. 
such a dumb part. I'm sure they just like had the set piece made and like, hey, can we just film this? We had it made. It's things it was like so this, dumb. It, it's things like that scene that is what really disappointed me about this movie. I think this movie had a lot of really cool ideas and like had the opportunity to do an interesting, like almost political drama, but they chose to do literally everything else. Like, Hey, we have this cool thing where we're going to trap two people together after a really unfortunate incident. And they're going to have to face the tension and like, like basically like cut through that tension, but we're only going to do it for 45 seconds and it's not going to give us any new information. That scene ends so abruptly and we as an audience learn nothing from it. Yeah. We're like, Oh, all we learned is he's not going to admit it. And this cage of truth is completely worthless because everyone can still hear you. Why do you need, why do they need to be in the cage? What, why don't we just sing around a campfire? They can't reach each other. It's not like if they tell the truth that they won't like, they're going to hit each other. They're, they can't hit each other. I'm like, what are, what are we doing? Okay, so some cool parts of the society that I thought were going to be dope. Everyone gets paid $20,000. It's just in your bank account. All these are broke college kids, and everyone just gets twenty grand. Yeah. Then some people get Porsches. Some people get Ferraris. Some people get classic cars. All these cars are between 50 and like a quarter of a million dollars. And that was sick because it's just outside. You can just have this car now. Another dope thing. Um, you go to a meeting. There's a bunch of underage drinking. They give you a bunch of sweet tuxes and stuff. And then you find out, I guess we're bringing in prostitutes. Because <laughs> that part made me really uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a Again, bunch of was... white guys hanging out. And then they just bring in the girls. It was something else that I thought was really weird. Because like. Yeah, we know he likes Chloe, but he's not going to say no to this prostitute, I guess. Right. And you don't, it's not explicitly said these are prostitutes, but a bunch of girls walk in in skimpy dresses. And also, are, how secret least, is this place? At the very least, they are showgirls. At the very least. Also, do they not know that everyone in this room is skulls? Like, they just met everybody. <laughs> what the heck? Also, yeah, we're not going to talk about the initiation. Faces, now we have to kill you. Yeah, like what? Um, we're not going to talk about the initiation. Just know that it was dumb. It was real stupid. And only two people did it, essentially. And everybody else watched was, and everyone ooh, still made it. That was the first sign where I thought, where I'm like, oh, maybe the secret society thing isn't as cool as I thought it was going to be. Because, like you said, two people did the work. Eight people got admitted into the skulls. Yeah. The coolest part of it, I guess, was them waking up in coffins, you know, after getting roofied. And then <laughs> a bunch of like cloaked jedi are around talking to them giving them riddles and then pretty much nothing happens um all very stupid uh what else we got um they have medieval locker rooms that was pretty cool um Um, oh oh, he has yeah you do your thing so luke has childhood friends that like he goes back to his hometown which is not very far from this ivy league school right and all of them hate him because they just think he's better than them. Like, oh, you want to be a lawyer? You're just better than us. Uh-huh. And then they're doing drugs, smoking pot, driving cars, you know? Um, so one of them's a mechanic. And the other one has seven TVs in his room for some reason. <laughs> and then um, later in the movie, you find out that the murder of Will was filmed. 
And all of a sudden, these hood rat friends turn into CIA agents, bro. Yeah. And they're. Because at the very end, he needs them to, like, tr- fu- first of all, all they do is follow one dude. Didn't need three people for that. Yeah, they follow this, again, cannot express enough, this person who is trained by a secret agency to cover his tracks and make sure that it, he is not caught by anyone. Three you know college flunkies are able to track this dude with perfect stealth just walkie talkies and some black hoodies bro also and i'm like when he goes who are into, these guys also when they go into that back room of the library um luke follows the guy he's following by like i don't know six or seven seconds yeah and there's somebody at the desk who's like, wait, no, 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 you can't go in. You And like he starts causing a big ruckus. How did the guy in front of him not notice that? Because that's really bad when you're trying to be sneaky. Yeah. Hey, I, the whole time I'm thinking, why are you so close, bro? And then you find out we and then he gets beat up. Right. We know. Don't follow him again. Don't follow him again. I'm like, yeah. Hey, this whole CIA thing that was very impressive in the beginning. No, duh. They found out, bro. Obviously, you were holding his pocket the whole time. And you could not have been louder climbing up those steps. Good dude. I thought about that the whole time. I'm like, wow, could you can you make a little noise? He doesn't know you're coming. <laughs> um dude. So so the whole climax of this movie is based around this concept. So there's a scene where um Luke is having lunch with the senator, and the senator's like, well, if you want to get out, you can you can take those tapes and prove your innocence and like prove basically prove that this guy did it. And I'm like, okay, yeah. I know Luke is upset about losing Will and whatnot, but at no point has he expressed that he wants to get out. Yeah, like, up didn't until make any now, sense. It's been pretty cushy living, and you know what, Will. Stepped over some boundaries. Yeah. I think Luke made it pretty clear. I, I think that Luke that. made it pretty clear that, hey, I need this for money. I'm not going to do anything bad. You kind of have to trust me. And Will's like, hmm, screw you. I'm going to do it anyway. And all of a sudden, Luke grew conscious and he's like, well, I guess I should probably leave now. But we as an audience, don't get that we only get that because the senator makes some really vague remarks yeah. about how to steal a tape and i'm like yeah oh, I everything's guess recorded you should go check now. it out yeah and it was crazy to me because i'm like you know dude it was an accident water under the bridge <laughs> <laughs> i'm like listen do you want to go to harvard or not do you want twenty thousand dollars in bank account or not do you want everything taken care of or not because all that stuff is an accident right you know this isn't happening all the time but also these guys have had three presidents. You don't yeah. think you're going to be the one to outsmart them? You're going to yeah. be the guy? Also, hey, bud, I think you kind of knew what you were signing up for. Yeah, like, you're telling me a club that only allows white males doesn't have the best intentions? <laughs> Dude, they brought in hookers on the second time you meet. Like, the only reason why they weren't doing coke is because this is a PG-13 movie. Yeah, bro. I'm like, what? You, you thought. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and another you thought that took... You got roofied the first time you met them, and you thought, you know what? <laughs> These guys you followed, have my you best intentions this, in mind. 
You follow this group like a lapdog. You got a phone call and ran all the way across campus in a minute. You saw a vague glass of water that said, drink this, and you drank it. You got roofied and woke up in a coffin. You think you're better than them? Dude, I'm like, first of all, you knew what you were signing up for. Don't play dumb with me. I was, I was, I was, I was so, dude, just stay in. What? I gotta, come on, man. Um, Can we talk about yeah. the fake breakup scene with Chloe and then the meeting oh in the bathroom? Oh, my God. Oh, my <laughs> God. Because, first of all, A, didn't know they were, like, I knew they went on a date, but I didn't know that they were They weren't dating, of, right? They weren't. They, they went on one date, and then, like, they do that fake breakup scene. And because we don't know it's a fake breakup scene, we see that, and we're just kind of like, oh, I didn't know they were deep enough in a relationship to have a screaming match about a breakup. And then 45 seconds later, Chloe goes up to him and be like, do you think that was convincing enough? And then they have sex in a steamy shower room. Um, that was so steamy, bro. It was so, so steamy. So almost to, <laughs> close almost to a point where I'm like, hey, guys, do you need lotion? Like, sweating, your skin bro. is going to be very dry That'd after this. A greased monkey, dude. It's a sauna in there. And there was so much close talking. It was crazy. <laughs> Also, this movie made me realize I had to look up what a a provost was. Yeah, I because they chose said that it. word a lot. <laughs> I just decided that that was a word I was not going to know the meaning of. I'm like, because uh, he's getting interviewed by the police, right, for killing his best friend. He's he saw him. They had an argument right before he died. He's the main suspect, right? And then a college provost comes in and says, "Hey, are you a good, officer? Like, can you lay off?" essentially and then you realize oh he's in and there's never a second where you're like oh, the provost was in it even though like, your characters figure that out five minutes later which is super frustrating and if anything i said in the last you know 30 seconds doesn't make sense good welcome universe- to watching the movie watch the movie yeah <laughs> couldn't tell you i can't explain what we saw um uh, <laughs> a university provost is a chief academic officer and under the president okay. is responsible for the creation and implementation of academic priorities Okay, um, so yeah, it's basically like the dean of academics. Pretty much. Um, what he doesn't have the permission to do is tell a cop to f*** off. <laughs> but he did that. <laughs> and okay. apparently it worked. <laughs> the, a note that I took is despite the fact that this group has covered up a murder and probably multiple murders in the past, this group does not feel threatening or powerful at all. You know, at the beginning, they do all this hyping up, like three presidents, at least three presidents have been a skull. And we're going to have people in the Supreme Court and the Senate. And I'm like, cool. And it seems you guys cannot outsmart one college student. So, yeah, kind of lost. lost I'm like, there's like 600. He goes like there's 360 or 630, whatever society members throughout the country and throughout the world. They're one of the most influential people. And I'm like, and you're telling me. That you didn't bring in backup when he threatened to just tell everybody or when there was his best friend was taking pictures. Like you didn't bring in the A team. Instead, you had the university, the guy who works at the university getting paid a $75,000 salary. You're like, no, this one guy will take care of it. Because <laughs> after the recording session, right? So he goes in, he goes, I'm stealing the tape to prove that Will was murdered. Right? So he goes in, steals it with his hood rat friends and he gets chased by of course the university provost who's chasing him in a freaking jeep cherokee nothing special you know that scene was super annoying that whole chase and then 
you know, his friends come in and they pull him out there to suit them like Batman, like repelling shenanigans. The whole scene is kind of annoying. Not going to lie to you. Okay. Um, I do want to say something that happened in that scene that happens again later. This movie does the same trick twice, which is Luke has a gun pointed at him and we think they're going to shoot Luke. We hear a gunshot, but it was somebody else shooting the original shooter. That happens twice in this movie within 30 minutes of each other. And I'm like, no movie. You do not get to do that. Sorry. Incorrect. (laughs) You spoiled it, bro. Like a couple seconds ago. Okay. So then they go back to this hood rat place, right? To watch the film on seven different TVs. Yes. And then I realized that one, these guys have seven different TVs, but they're also broke. Okay. Second thing, (laughs) this one tape has six different camera angles. That's impossible. This is 2000. Maybe not. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But what I do see is these hood at friends have the ability to enhance two or three times on a tape. Like yeah, a cassette not tape, that, not a but VHS enhance, tape. But enhance into better quality. Dude. Oh, speaking of enhance into better quality, during the police investigation, they put like two symbols together. The computer just like figures it out and it says i'm sorry oh Do you yeah, remember yeah, that? yeah yeah what, what I th- in the what, witchcraft okay. was that now what i think what happened is that was just his screensaver i think it was like the school logo and like something else so it was just his screensaver and then they hit enter to basically like wake up the computer and that was oh, what was so that was a suicide note yeah. yes i'm mm-hmm. sorry all right, I'll allow it. This 2000 technology had me tripping for most of the movie, though. Um, um, I want to talk about something that I wish that I, I wanted from this movie. Yep. They they bring up a rule book that has, we, we can only assume, is multiple, multiple hundreds of rules. Yes. Right? They open I, don't to think the the, I think the highest one was like 180, but it's assumed there's hundreds. Yeah, they open up to the middle of the book and we see numbers like 120 and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They talk about four. It's so, dude, there, it was that I wanted to read that book so bad. So did I. I wanted to know what like, the rules were. Like when they brought out the rule book, that's when I'm like, okay, that's when I had hope for this movie. Like, oh, like it's going to be like John Wick in the sense that like there is a system in place and the people who know the system, like John Wick, Tenet, if you show that you know the system, the system will work for you. It doesn't because right. they don't use it. Dude, there's like four rules, right? Not even rules. You get a branding, right? You get a cool watch to cover up the branding. This all happens in the first 20 minutes. Then you get a key that you're not allowed to lose. And then you get a book that you're not allowed to lose. And you have to memorize the book because you live by the book. You die by the book. The branding never comes up again. The watch never comes up again. The key gets stolen the first 30 minutes, never gets referenced again. And then the rule book is talked about four times. I hated it. What? Yeah. Yeah. You had the potential to be a- dope. And instead you chose violence. Um, Another thing. So while we're talking about that interrogation scene, <laughs> there's that scene where like Luke has to like make a case for himself after the tape doesn't work. And he's like, no, you're in on it, and he's in on it, and this person's in on it. Oh, and okay, guys. Time, um, so where, what we're talking about is Luke gets the tape, and he runs it to the police officer who was invis- in initially suspecting him. And he goes, I have proof that Caleb 
was the one who killed him. And Caleb beat him there. Caleb said, hey, this guy's about to come in. He's my roommate. He did it. He told me he did it. I can't, I can't do this anymore. I have to turn him in. And then obviously Luke comes in and goes, I have the tape. Let's watch it. And then insanity ensues. Yeah. So the tape doesn't work. They switch out the tape. So Luke basically has to defend himself in front of like three or four police officers and he starts going off, but, and they get into like one of those arguments where all of them are talking at the same time and the camera does this. I cannot emphasize this enough nauseating and disgusting (laughs) cinematography where they basically like start facing away from them swoop into their face but like not centered on their face it's like a 30 degree angle (laughs) like a 30 degree angle on like their left cheekbone so we see like their lips and like left eye i'm like and they do that at least a dozen times during this conversation and i'm like guys stop Stop, stop, stop. I'm begging you. <laughs> Dude, my notes just says crazy camera angles. I hated it so much. And on top of the horrible lighting that disappeared for most of, for the half of the movie. In the beginning, it was distractingly bad. Anytime there was sun, they're like, more sun, please. <laughs> and anytime it was night, they're like, more dark. Please. More dark. And during this scene, they're like, where's that sun? We said we wanted sun. <laughs> and they just turn up the exposure way too high, bro. You, <laughs> I was on a trip. I, it was it was so bright, and the camera angles were so bad. I felt like we were drugged. Um, <clears throat> another thing. So so after that, basically, uh, Luke is able to get um you know more proof or whatever, and so he goes to the skulls themselves. He gets a he gets a rule out of Wait, the book. Wait, time up before we get to that point. By the okay. way, he's shouting, I'm innocent, I'm innocent, I'm innocent. And he's getting hauled away, right? I thought that was the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. I, and So I also thought it was the end of the movie. And I thought, oh, this is going to be really cool. It's going to be like a dark ending. You know, it's not going to make up for the rest of it. But at least the ending will be cool. Right. No, they do like a 15 minute scene where Chloe basically like breaks him out of a mental hospital. And it is somehow the least exciting part of that movie. Right. He's, then I check the time like, oh, we got 20 minutes left. And in that yeah. time, Chloe's going to break him out of a mental hospital. The senator's going to get involved, and all of us, and the story has to get wrapped up. So honestly, I couldn't even tell you what happens during that asylum breakout scene because I was kind of lost. <laughs> like, wait, is this still happening? Is this like the epilogue? Are we watching the to be continued of the sequel? What's happening? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So Chloe breaks him out of the out of the mental hospital. They get chased again whatever and they find a and they find a rule in the book where basically he can challenge caleb like hey you're my soulmate but you've done wrong by me so i can challenge you to a duel hey at nowhere at no other point in this movie was like a duel mentioned not or dude, alluded to not brought up it, in the, there was in, no foreshadowing whatsoever it's not even in the same theme as the movie like i like the theme would have I, been, hey, we're going to run a court case. This yeah, person's exactly. going to be the judge, and we're going to defend our cases. That didn't happen at all. We're like, no, they let's pulled out, shoot each other. They pulled out freaking like 1,800 flintlock, 
guns and they're just like but and they and they duel that way also that duel looked pretty public to me yeah. i don't know where it's they like, were on the river out on the river in view of freaking everyone's you know psychology 101 class they just look like is that are those guys about to shoot each other they were outside by these like giant greek pillars or whatever and there's just 30 dudes in tuxes two of whom are about to shoot each other and we're just like yeah this is what they do on thursdays dude also a little bit of a plot hole um chloe you know this her boyfriend i mean or lover at the least you know goes and confronts mandrake by herself after she found out she, one of her friends got killed and the other one is institutionalized and she goes i'm gonna interrupt this guy during his shadow boxing session and say, hey, I know what you did. <laughs> and I said, well, she wanted to join her friends. She's like, you know what? This life thing isn't for me. I want to join dead people. Because that was the dumbest move. And then guess what? They didn't like that. And she gets chased. And of course, she's saved by the senator, who, by the way, is taking way too many days off. <laughs> And then he goes, you live by the rules, you die by the rules. And then you find out that she and Luke, because he's, you know, high as a freaking kite on these downers, are driving away. Then they get chased by a Jeep, same Jeep Cherokee as the provost. They get run off the road, whatever. They get busted into a bridge or whatever, right? And then you find out during that same gun, I'm going to point the gun and shoot you scene. That every person who's black in this movie is a good guy because the <laughs> cop comes and shoots them. And then I realized there's only three black guys in this movie. Two of them are cops and one of them is a best friend. And every single one of them is a good guy. And I'm like, they thought they were making progress, but instead they made it worse. Because <laughs> now you can watch. Now, now that I told you this, if you didn't watch the movie, every time you see a black guy, he's a good guy. Even if you think he's a bad guy, he's a good guy. Cause the cause the cop that like sh- shoots and saves Lucas, he has he says like he helps him but very cryptically, and so Lucas like has like a conversation with I think Chloe as they're driving away, like why would he help me then but not earlier? And I'm like, who cares? Let's just keep going. You really don't care. You really don't care because guess what? We never come back to it. Dude, this there are guy? so many things that this movie proposes to us that they just choose to not go back to. And like, it's okay that you don't go back to everything, but like, make sense of it, please. Bro. This guy, just like, what a- whatever. I'm over Dude, it. Dude, Luke I'm over it. quits clubs he has no business quitting and questions <laughs> good people he has no g- business questioning. Hey, bro, oh, so- just let it happen. Okay, just let it happen. So the end of this movie, after the duel, you know, the duel ends with, so the duel ends very Hamilton, where um, Lucas is like, you're not going to shoot me. This is your chance to, this is your chance to get And he drops his gun, by the way. Yeah, he he drops his gun and Caleb decides, you know, you're right, I can't shoot you. And instead points his gun at his father. Well, Well, then his father goes, if you're not going to shoot him, I'm going to shoot him. And then when his father's about to pull the trigger, of course... Different person shoots him. So after that is done, um, that's basically the end of the movie. Lucas has another conversation with the senator. Well, then Caleb the tries senator, to kill himself. And yeah. then he goes, it's over, Caleb. It's over. So he saves him from killing himself, which is huh, so dumb. 
And then um, I really want to talk about the part you're about to talk about. Yeah. So I just want to say real quick. So the senator uh, basically pulls Lucas aside like, hey, you know, you're pretty much the only person that's left the skulls before. And he goes on this monologue that's like, um, if I call on you, like you, you, he's basically saying you have a debt to me. You owe me a favor. If I call on you, will you repay that favor? And if you say no, can you live with yourself? And if you can live with yourself, can you like, do you understand the danger that you would be putting your wife and kids into? And like you, and he says, you can't live with that kind of stress. And Lucas looks at him and goes, watch me. And he just walks away. And then the Senator goes, well done, son. Well done. And I said, well, (laughs) you lose points for that one. Cause like, here's the thing. The senator was like pretty much always on Lucas's side. For what reason? We don't know. <laughs> yeah. And that and he and so Lucas his last conversation with Lucas is basically like, "Hey, just so you know, even though you think you're clear of this, you really aren't." And and then Lucas leaves and then the senator's like, hey, "Just kidding, you actually are free." Yeah. Like, that was a test. You? And Who you, are you said, "I'm not playing." And I said, "Right answer." <laughs> and I'm like, Okay. (laughs) So basically the senator is like, I'm the new head of the skulls and I'm going to lead us into a new generation. A, don't know how. B, don't know what that next generation means. (laughs) C, you let someone walk away. So what does that say about you? (laughs) What does this even mean? And then the movie's like, we're not done yet. And then there's some, the, the, the darkness and the lighting guy got together, made sweet, sweet love. And then there's a lighthouse romance ending. Where the whole sky is pink and purple, and we're supposed to cry. I am giving this movie a, <laughs> a flat five. This movie is more fun to talk about than I than the actual movie. Yeah, it, like listen, if you if our conversations made you think, oh, this movie is like funny bad, it kind of is, but not enough. It's mostly just bad. It's mostly just bad. Um, yeah, it's a four and a half for me, Bob. Yeah. And it probably should be lower. Actually, I'm going to look at my other fours and my fives. I'm going to see if it should be lower. I'm giving it a flat five purely because I can see where the good stuff could have been. And, you know, I think that if you got a different team of writers with the same concept, with the same spec script, they could have made a much better movie. So on its pure concept alone, I'm giving it a flat five. No, uh, I've reviewed my other fours and my other fives. It's a four and a half for me, Bob. All Uh, right. That's that's good. It was bad. It was real bad. And I can give, listen, this movie is 21 years old. I can say, oh, this is of its era. I've watched a million better movies that were older than this. No excuses. Paul Walker, you got freaking saved by Fast and Furious, bro. Saved. Saved. Thank God saved. the casting director couldn't see this movie before he got cast in that movie. Or, spoiler alert, you wouldn't have got it. All right, Alex, would you like to welcome back our non-movie listeners? All right, for all you guys who didn't watch the movie, you don't have to, don't watch the movie. You're not going to. Don't. Just go back and listen to this podcast, dude. It's so, you, we dedicated too much time for you to pass this up. I promise yeah. you it's worth it. This is one of those movies where Alex and I just dunk on a movie for 45 minutes. So if that's your if that's your style, boy, do we have that in spades. Yeah, it, guys, I promise you it's worth it. 
Especially now, if you're not going to watch the movie, because it's better than the movie. Now, on to the improv segment. We are bringing back an older one. We are going to do Two Degrees of Separation. This is a conspiracy game. We are going to give each other two topics, and it is up to us to describe the conspiracy that connects those two topics. Nice. Let's do it. All right. Alex, I need you to tell me the conspiracy between modern pop music and the USSR. Okay. So here's the thing. After the Russians... Okay, so the space race kicked off, right? Technically, they... they, I think most people can agree they achieved more. But Americans got a guy on the moon. And for that, the Russians are like, you're brainwashing your people into thinking you won because you did one of the ten objectives, right? We did the rest. So... They infiltrated the CIA with, you know, the KGB. The CIA has a history of infiltrating other countries. And the KGB said while they're focused on them and they're going through a wild recruitment um, during JFK and post-JFK, they put a bunch of people in the CIA and started introducing slow propaganda into our music industry. They infiltrated most producers and their um, labels, and they started influencing pop culture through the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and now there's still remnants of how the KGB has influenced much of the music you hear now. Can you give me an example of this propaganda in like some of our recent music? Sure. So... I think a lot of people get caught up on, and they do a lot of what they do is they disguise their music in ethnic music because everyone knows that like, it's more trending now to listen to hip hop, hip hop. It's more trending now to listen to Latin music. So, and they bring it in through Canadians and they bring it in through people who aren't, who never were born in America. So they don't have that allegiance to America. So people like Drake, people like bad bunny, People like DJ Khaled, who has a mixed background. No one actually knows where he's from. How did you name three Canadian artists and none of them were Justin Bieber? Well, he's not ethnic, dude. Oh, okay. He's okay. just okay. a byproduct. <laughs> okay. So all these people, I mean, Canadian. you got a Canadian, you got a guy with Latin background, you got a person with Middle Eastern background. They come in all with outside influences. If we help the Russian um embassy russian intelligence with our music they'll kick something back to our country they'll help us a little bit more in security to our country because everyone knows like canada 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 is close with america we know that um a lot of the latin countries they might not have respect for america but they depend on a lot of our technologies I middle mean, east look depend at on the, us. look at the most viewed video on youtube it's um it was despacito for a while yeah Listen, I'm not well-versed in this. Um, I was born American. I was in American intelligence. It never, I mean, this is top secret, but I was never involved, but I heard about it. So this is kind of insider information. Um, I do have, they uh, have one influenced last. Our, yeah, go ahead. I, I have one last question. Sure. Um, does this mean that I have to stop listening to Gangnam Style by Psy? Or is that a song you need to You need to suspect everything that's not American. Because ah, they so have. So what you're saying is okay. So we have to buckle down on our nationalism. If you're not in, you're out. All right. I like yeah. this. I like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of. You, yeah. and, and they're Listen. changing our views already. 
They're Listen, already changing our views. They rigged nothing, an election already. Nothing has ever been worsened by keeping the bloodline pure. Okay. Yeah. Keep the nationality pure. Just keep, if you were born in America, no, you're no, safe. No, 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 no. No more no, immigrants. I think you're right. I think you're right. Shut keep down our borders is what pure. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Listen. No. Listen, if you weren't no. born in America, listen, you don't belong Only in listen to American music and only impregnate your siblings. Yeah, that makes sense. Putting words in my mouth. But I mean, that's that's pretty much, that's the breakdown of that. And I stand by that. All right. Well, thank you very much. That was very informative. Absolutely. You need to connect, which should be pretty easy because there's some obvious connections. Um, Harvard to menstrual cycles. So here's... Something that I, I, I think the public is finally starting to get aware of this. And I think it's incredibly important. Um, Harvard, like pretty much every other college on the planet, is putting more and more stress onto their students. Right? Especially with online learning. And uh, it's harder than ever to get a job post-graduation. You know, a lot of jobs are looking for, you know, three years of experience with a master's degree and they're starting pay at like $40,000, right? So I think these schools are putting a lot of pressure on their students to perform uh, not just above and beyond, but above and beyond to a superhuman level. And I think that all that stress that's compounding and compounding and compounding is affecting women's, um, not just their uh, mental health, but their physical health as well. These female students are so stressed out that their menstrual cycles are just like nah taking the day off uh women don't get their periods you know they think it's a pregnancy scare no matter how recently or far away they slept with a man um and that pregnancy or scare, woman yeah and they and so that pregnancy scares adds on to that stress level so i so harvard and schools like it are capitalizing on these stressful environments. They know that when when it comes down to it, students are going to either prioritize themselves or their schoolwork. And the ones that prioritize their schoolwork, the ones that are willing to give up their periods, the ones that are willing to basically put themselves through that physical and mental toll, are they're, they're the ones that Harvard wants purely because they're the ones that they think are truly elite, whether they are or aren't. This is just the one grading measure that they've decided to um, define their female students by. So what I'm saying is if you go to Harvard right now and, you know, whatever your anatomical makeup or whatever, like if you have periods right now, do not give them up. You have to, you need to not only, you know, have your periods, you need to welcome them. You need to embrace them. You need to encourage them. So every time you sit down to write that eight-page paper that your professor assigned last week and you're like, I don't have enough time for this because I have eight other eight-page papers to work on. Listen, I understand you can, ri- <laughs> you can write all those papers while the blood is flowing, baby. All right? This is things that you cannot give up. This is your right as an American citizen. That is all I have to say. That was so dangerously close to mansplaining periods. It was crazy. And I'm here for it. Uh, do you want to go to our next segment? Just for the sake yeah. of time. Yeah. Let's, I mean, we normally only do two of those anyway. So um, Sounds good to me. All right. 
This next segment is called Outside Amy Schumer. Now. <laughs> okay. If you are not familiar, uh, stand-up comedian Amy Schumer had a three-season sketch comedy show on Comedy Central. And what I have and, – and her humor is and was very sex-oriented, right? So what I've done is I've taken – a list of sketches that she did on her show it's basically whose tagline is it anyway but with amy schumer sketches nice dude let's do it so i have two very real amy schumer sketches mixed in with one fake one and you need to discover which one is the fake one are you ready let's do it man number one okay i have to say this up front like i said very sexual in nature if you don't want to hear me just if you don't if you don't want to hear me describe tv 14 type sexual humor sorry this episode's a wash um number one amy visits an irish restaurant with a testicle theme oh nutters number two uh that's a good one that's a good one amy quits her job in porn that's that's the premise of the sketch and the third one amy gets drunk and thinks she might be into girls i think that last one's a thing i'm gonna say oh nutters is the fake one you are wrong. The getting drunk and thinking she's into girls is the fake one. That's a good dude. That sounds so on brand. It's right? ridiculous. <laughs> right? Uh, next one. Amy interviews a man who has a very large penis. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Amy, uh, Amy gets caught fornicating with a tree. And the last one is Amy uses cancer to get out of commitments. Dude, these are the... F- <laughs> i feel at this point it kind of sucks because i love amy i do might, might not be a huge fan of a comedy but i'm a huge fan of her so it kind of sucks that these are all on brand or maybe it doesn't maybe this is flattering that you're so good at coming up with these um can i hear them one more time yeah number the first one amy interviews a man who has a very large penis okay amy i'm gonna say gets, that's for sure true okay amy gets caught fornicating with a tree okay Amy uses cancer to get out of commitment. I think the tree one's fake. It is fake. You are correct. Okay. I have a pretty um, good gauge for comedy, and I'm just thinking, how would they, sh- how, how would they do that? Yeah. Okay. Amy cooks meth, causing an explosion which blows her arms and legs off. Oh, that's definitely true. Amy says something racist, then claims that her imaginary friend is black. Oh, that's for sure true. She roasts a terminally ill 12-year-old boy. Okay. First of all, these are all awesome. I wish I would came up with these first. I want to have come up with these first. <laughs> so, the funniest ones stay. So, you raise a terminally ill 12-year-old boy. It's staying, bro. It's staying. No arms, no legs, meth blow up. That's pretty awesome. What was the second one? Amy says something racist, then claims her imaginary friend is black. That one's perfect. I'm going to say it's the first. The first one's fake. Uh, You are incorrect. The imaginary friend one is fake. Alex, can we make that sketch? Can we figure out how to do that sketch? Not right now, because this podcast is too long, but we're doing that. We're doing that so hard, bro. And I'm going to drop so many N-words, it's ridiculous. (laughs) Okay, next one. Amy and her partner are trying to conceive children. After months mm-hmm. without success, they adopt dolls used for home economics class, and their friends try, try to convince them to give them up. 
Okay. Next one. Interesting. When a- when Amy's talking to her partner, a man knocks on their door looking for his cat. She is puzzled when the two men passionately kiss. That's Last real. one. That's right. Last one. That was back when gay used to just be funny. Like, hey, yeah. the punchline is they're both guys. Yeah. Uh, final one. Amy is the wife of a coach who implements a no rape rule on his American football team. Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to say the first one's fake. You are correct. Because sometimes, like, if it's if it's so good, that's why, like, the imaginary friend when I'm like, dude, that is a actually great idea. So yeah. I, I bet it, I bet it uh, 500. Yeah. So you're 50-50 so far. You've got like two it. right and two wrong. Perfect. Uh, I love that. Next one. Amy goes to a sweet. Uh, Amy goes to a psychic to contact her dead grandmother, but unintentionally summons the ghost of her creepy uncle. Next one. Amy okay. is disappointed mm-hmm. with her devil's threesome because both men left her out of it. That's on brand. Uh, final one. Amy thinks she's going on a date with Bradley Cooper, only to find her date is a bank teller whose name happens to also be Bradley Cooper. Okay, so the second one's definitely true. The first and the third one are tripping me up. I feel like Bradley Cooper was big when the show was out, so I'm going to say the first one's fake. You are incorrect. The Bradley Cooper one was fake. I, w- I was on the fence. It yeah. didn't quite sell me, um, but, you know, good on your part. I have three more rounds. Do you want to just rush through them real quick? Yeah, let's rush through them. I won't ask you to repeat. Okay. okay. Uh, Amy wears an inappropriate costume to her office Halloween party. Amy marries a black man when where she is photographed by an interracial wedding photographer. And Amy plays a mother in a television ad for finger-shaped snacks called Finger Blasters. Finger Blasters is fake. Nope, Halloween party. Because Finger Blasters is real. That's the problem. Because <laughs> I've seen the ad for Finger Blasters. It's real. Are you sure you didn't just watch the Amy Schumer sketch? Totally possible. Next. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Amy has lunch with her friends. She and most of the group push a waiter to the ground and eat his face. Ooh, nice. Um, Amy arrives at a prom in a horse-drawn carriage and wearing a tiara. She attempts to become the date of a teenage boy. She has wrongly assumed that he does not have a date and expects to receive cunnilingus from him. Her plan does not succeed because he is there with his girlfriend. She leaves riding the horse. The incident receives negative press coverage. And finally, Amy accidentally kisses her dad. First one's fake. Nope, it's the kissing her dad. Uh, final one. I feel like that's been done before, but not by Amy. So I'm not going to say I'm totally stupid on that one. Uh, final one. Uh, Amy hides in a giant cake in order to surprise her boyfriend of seven years on his birthday. She is horrified to overhear him say to one of the guests that he is not really into her. She breaks out of the cake, then angrily breaks up with him and walks off, saying that she has met somebody else. Amy is a car dealer that gets disrespected by customers because they all think that women can't drive. And then the last one is Amy spends hours on the phone speaking to his staff at a call center in order to solve her internet connection problems. She rose to India where she shoots uh, one of the call center workers and herself in the head. Her partner solves the problem by restarting the router. None of those are funny. The last one might be a little funny. I'm going to say you came up with the funniest one. So the last one is fake. Uh, Incorrect. Unfortunately, I came up with the car dealer one. Yeah, none of those none of those were great. Sorry, Amy. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I'm yeah, sure they listen. were done well. The pitch is just bad. 
listen, love or hate Amy Schumer, and like you have plenty of reason to do either. IMO. But like you know, pretty breakthrough for female stand up comedians in, in modern day. Yeah. Um, also, gotta respect it. Those ideas you can't argue. They're creative, bro. Yeah, listen, when you do like a hundred and twenty sketches for a show, you're gonna get some bangers. Like even by accident. Yeah, and some of those ideas are fire. So you know what? Shout out Amy. Maybe I can open up for you sometime. All right. One hit wonder. Let's go. All right. So this one's called Go Fund a Pod. You and I are gonna come up with ideas for podcasts and try to get GoFundMe sponsors. And then the other person is just gonna predict about how much money you think they could raise. So my idea for a podcast is you and I in a sauna, half naked, and we talk till one of us passes out. How much money <laughs> to get sponsors? Um, how much money do you think that could actually raise? God. Well, okay. The, the problem with this is this doesn't really like take into account like notoriety and whatnot. So like, I'm just going to say, that's why the, all these have to be, have not, they have to be novelty ideas because no one's going to watch us because we're there. They have to be there because, Oh, this is such a cool concept. And obviously it's a video podcast because they need to yeah. watch us fading. Yeah. I think that we're definitely going to get, um, I oh, bet and each can... 10 minutes we turn up the degrees. Oh, yeah. By yeah, 10. sure. So um, every 10 minutes it goes up. And, and I think we cap it out at like, you know, 200. And we do this podcast every week until one of us dies, which will yeah, be in we about keep passing four out, And we have to have an EMT just on call outside. The second one of us passes out, be like, that's it, folks. Tune in next week. And that's it. And we do that every time. I feel time. like we could definitely get a sponsor from whomever we're getting the sauna from. Like if also, we can get water. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like... Um, <laughs> The other per- the person who didn't pass out, they get sponsored by the water we're drinking or Gatorade yeah, or Powerade yeah. or whatever. So we definitely we, got So those. some hydrating source. Yeah. Um, I think we're getting sponsored by whatever, like, heat-resistant microphones we're using. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, How much money I, do you I, think I, we could raise on GoFundMe, though? So I, I feel think, like people are going to want to see this podcast. Yeah, I, I think it'd be really hard to set a numerical goal for something like this. Um, and, okay. and also, so like, I, I don't think um, setting a numerical goal is, but I think this one, I'm just going to put in a bucket, like it would not have trouble getting funded. Yeah, it, I don't like, think reached, so either. I think it's a great yeah. idea. And I just came up with it. Do you have any great ideas? Yeah, I did. But then we talked about that one for so long, I forgot what it was. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think I can come up with another one. So yeah. another one is we podcast alternating weeks with each other's mother. Um, so I I'm would gonna... do a 30-minute podcast with your mom without you, and then next week you would podcast with my mom without me, and we just alternate weeks. Yeah. Um, can we expand that to where it's not just our moms, but we also like loop friends' moms in? Yeah. We, yeah. One of us, the thing is we're not doing it together, and it yeah. has to be moms. That one, could, that one would get funded if it was a direct spinoff of this show, but standing on its own, it might have a little difficulty. Yeah, where we just do the exact same. We do movies, improv, middle, one hit, just with moms. Yeah. Who I, know I, us. So that one might have a little difficulty, but if if people knew it was a direct spinoff, then it might have a little bit more kick. Um, I think it would also be good if we got famous moms into. I think people yeah. would love that. Okay. Shout out Kristen Bell. What about a podcast that's 
purely with um on a scale of like hate to love we only do podcasts with people who are on neutral or lower towards us oh who don't who either don't care about indifferent about us or hate us yeah i think that would be hard because do we pull listeners that don't care or indifferent because most time you don't listen to a podcast you're indifferent about or do we do people we know in real life who don't like us we would definitely start with people we know in real life Okay. I can think of a so few people I off the know... top of my head that I think I would love to record a podcast with. It just in Is terms it the person of I'm making thinking good of? content. Yeah. Yeah. It's the person that we tried to there's okay, so people who don't know, before we made this podcast, we wanted to talk to people we knew in high school. And just to get the feel of how a podcast would work, like how what it would feel like to have a guest. There's people who didn't want to record with us. No, 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 no. Not even that. Who didn't want to talk to us? Yeah. They're not yeah, it wasn't being recorded. We were just calling, doing a three-way call to get the vibe of how a guest would work. We make sure the conversation stays smooth. We make sure to keep it about them, like promotion stuff. Sort of like what we did with Aspen. We tried yeah. to do that, and the person was like, Who are you doing this with? Oh yeah, I'm not getting in that call. So, um, there's definitely yeah, the we I think we had a, we definitely have enough people for at least an eight episode miniseries. I think we could do it, and the titles of the podcast would have to be "This Person Hates Me Because." Yeah, yeah. For so sure. we could call the podcast like, um, I don't know, haters. With, uh, with an eight because it's an eight episode miniseries. Yes, and then we just bring and each podcast would be this person hates me because I did blank. This person hates me because I did this. This person hates me because of our podcast, and that's we just and, ha- only have people that hate us. And we'll somehow be the first podcast with all female guests. Dude, we gotta find. There's guys out there who hate us. I know there are. And the, you know what the problem with guys is? The guys out there who hate us just don't listen to us. Yeah, we can get Parker just, to hate us for a day. I'm sure. I mean. I can I can make people hate me, but I need to. Maybe we'll do that for the the season finale. Is we both have to go get people who started hating us less than t- like twenty four hours ago. Yeah. <laughs> I love this. I love this idea. That that's getting funding. Facts. It's getting funding. Um, you know, and we can end on that one. That's, I do, hold on. Let me get. Let me give one more so it's even. Um, okay, okay. What about a what about a video podcast that is us like trying to fake our way through a, a, a skilled lesson in terms of like, like we've done something like we've done like uh, scenes like this before where we do not know the skill, but we have to teach it to someone. And that's the podcast. I don't know if that would work. Cause that is, I mean, it is related to like sort of like dirty jobs or undercover boss. Like you're pretending, I mean, you're not training somebody else, but, um, it is kind of that undercover feel of I'm I'm pretending to be someone I'm not. Yeah, that's probably more I of think like, that, a, like a I sketch think that show only works with celebrities. Like yeah, I think that yeah. would only work with celebrities. You have to kind of know, like Drake will go undercover and re, uh, like do interviews and stuff. So I don't think that one's going to get funding purely because we're not famous enough. Okay, so as we close out the segment of the podcast, I want to make an open call. This is a dangerous open call, but I'm going to make it anyway. If you hate me and you want to record a podcast with Alex and me, reach out to one of us. We will make it work. And if you know somebody that hates me, 
Because we all know, because the thing is, the people who hate me are not going to listen to me. If you know somebody that hates me, reach out to that person and send them this segment and we'll figure it out. And I will, the catch I will is, give the catch them is, free air to flame me. That's but fine. The ca- but the catch is, I'm not going to talk to this person until we start recording. Yeah. And I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to reach out. I'm not going to. I mean, if they need me to reach out in order for this to happen, I'll do it. Like if they need me to apologize, I'll do it. But they need, I want them to come on the podcast to air their grievance and let, tell me how, where I messed up, you know, cause obviously I did. Um, and that's fine and I won't interrupt and I'll be a good listener and we'll figure it out, but let them say it to my face and that's, and get some closure. All right. With that being said, that was whatever you said, pod fund me or whatever. Yeah. Go fund Uh, the pod, bro. Yeah. Um, thank you very much for listening to this beefy episode. Um, an episode hasn't been this long since probably gone with the wind. Um, anyway, dude, this, we talked about a movie called the skulls and this is the least bare bones podcast we've ever done yeah it's this I, and I gone think, with the wind yeah three for uh three for three bangers all around okay um you can follow the show on at permanent good on twitter and instagram and facebook you can follow me per- personally at permanent handle you can follow alex personally at alex the goods uh next week we start our fast and furious marathon the way this works is we set a timer for, I think, nine minutes. And we watched the first three Fast and Furious movies. And we talked about those movies for only nine minutes. And then we would move on to the second one, nine minutes. Then the third one, nine minutes. Uh, all spoilers, you know, no holding back. So we're going to do one, two, and three next week. Four, five, and six the week after. Seven, eight, Hobbs and Shaw the week after that. And then the next Fast and Furious movie, Fast 9, will be out. And that movie will have its its own dedicated episode. So right. June is going to be pretty fast and pretty furious. Yeah. So next week, The Fast and the Furious. Um, the next is Too Fast, Too Furious. Both of those on, are on HBO. And then The Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift, rounding it out for next week. So check them out. Excited to talk about it. Yes, very excited. Um, I think that's pretty much going to be it for me. Alex, do you have anything else? No, bro. Just like check us out on socials. Let us know what you think. I'm, re- dude. Take the hate me stuff seriously, dude. I think, <laughs> guys, if if anything, do it for entertainment and content. And I, we can protect these people. We can do voice changers. You can talk for them if you want, so we don't know who they are. I, we can keep them anonymous, bro. You can guys can yeah. write in emails like. Just make it happen, audience. Make it happen. Yeah. But here's what can't happen. Don't pretend. This needs to be authentic hate. Authentic. Genuine displeasure. And that's all I got, Craig. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good. Gosh darn it, I'm Alex Good. And have fun, be safe, and make good choices. And while you're at it, tell your mom I said hi. Maybe she'll get on the podcast. See you next week. Deuces.